Stories connect us as humans. A well-told story can motivate and inspire us. Storytelling is the ultimate superpower. Be The Drop is a weekly podcast that investigates how to tell stories that engage. Join me, Amelia Veal, on our shared journey to become better storytellers. In episode 203 of Be The Drop, recorded live from Loretto College, Chelsea Randall, Brittany Elmsley and Bruce Jitte discussed the challenges of society's unconscious bias towards women in sport. We take questions from the students in the audience and uncover insight into how each panellist overcame adversity to enjoy their successful sporting careers. This is Be The Drop, discussing women in sport. This episode was recorded after a live screening of Episode 4 of Transcending the Gender Narrative, an eight-part documentary series on gender equality. For more details on the documentary series or to watch any of the episodes, go to transcending.narrativemarketing.com.au. Hi. Wow, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for hosting myself and the rest of the team and our guests, which I'll introduce in a minute. And also, thank you. I hope that the girls that were speaking and in the video are here in the audience. Uh, You were wonderful. Congratulations. So again, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and to show that episode. So you're the first people to see it. This is a sneak preview and I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to welcome uh, three panel guests and I've got a few questions to ask them and just have a little bit of an introductory conversation and then I'll open uh, the questions to yourselves. So if on watching the documentary, you've got any questions you'd like to ask or anything around this topic that's of interest to you, I would encourage you to take the opportunity and ask the question. That one thing that we didn't check, and hopefully we have one, is do we have a hands-free microphone for asking the questions? We'll sort that out. That will be fine. So first, I'd like to ask Chelsea Randall to join me on the microphones. So Chelsea, who you saw there talking and sharing her stories, thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. (laughs) And Bruce was also in the video, so you've seen him. Now, Brittany, unfortunately, the scheduling for filming didn't work, so we didn't manage to get Brittany in the documentary. But as mentioned earlier, she is a dual Olympic gold medalist and was doing that from a very young age, probably not much younger than you girls are now. So I thought that was a really good addition to bring in for our panel discussion. Chelsea, I'm going to start with you. You know, firstly, that story from your 11-year-old self lining up there on the field uh, at a time where girls didn't play football, Mm. you know, and to where we are now. Maybe if you could just reflect on some of that for us. Yeah, it was obviously an interesting time. Um, Well, when I was your age, I pretty much had to go at anything and everything. So I just loved sport, loved being active, I loved music, and I loved loved dancing as well. So I gave everything a bit of a go, and um, it's bizarre how football just ended up becoming my passion. And I just, I think what was ingrained in me was that I just had a passion. I didn't want girls to feel like I had. Um, in that position where I felt like I didn't really belong and I, I guess that almost drove me to where I am today and, and to, as to why I'm so passionate about the game. Fantastic. Well, 
But it's a different kettle of fish now, isn't mm. it? You know, we saw those footage of the girls playing in the cup and the number of teams. So it really is open and there is much more in inclusivity happening today. Yeah, it is. It's actually good fun. So once you get over the fear factor, some of the best things in life are on the other side of fear. And as soon as we overcome that, that is where our true passion may lie. Oh, thank you. Bruce, you mentioned uh, in the documentary really interesting conversations between your two children who, you know, three, four, really young age where these conversations about what girls can do and boys can do are starting to come up and how important it is to address it from a young age. Yeah, I think especially as male um, it's, in, it's important to, to address it because <laughs> there's, there's so many uh, different things that society's combating now mm. and, and, you know, it's great for women to break through the glass ceiling and for women to be in leadership positions and, and, and do all the rest of that. But I also believe it's, it's incumbent on men to put their hand out and, and help the women up as well, especially uh, men in privileged positions or in positions of power. I'm not saying that girls are asking for a handout you know, but, but if they can get a hand up and it's, and it's deserved, which it generally is, I think, you know, as the constructs of society are and, and men in dominant positions, I think if, if you want real change, it's not just about, you know, women being exemplary and, and breaking through glass ceilings. It's also about the men already in those positions, um, you know, having those conversations, being mentors, helping them up, you know, treating them as equals, essentially, without unconscious biases. And um, that's incumbent on the men of the world. Mm. And it's interesting that the com comment around unconscious bias, because through this documentary series, we have really realised the unconscious bias that we bring and that each of us bring, my own unconscious bias, you know. That's really, I think, at the core of what transcending a gender narrative to me is about. It's about how we can go into conversations that move beyond those bias and become ones that's more, much more inclusive about all of us and so we can move away from the he and the she and become more about all of us collectively. Now, Britt, you have been through that process which we talked about, you know, being a professional athlete at an, a national level, representing your country you know, from, from a young age, but not necessarily having that ongoing financial support and having the challenges of doing that. What was your experience like? I was very fortunate that as being part of the relay team and we had that Olympic success, um, we did get a lot of funding our way because I was on that top tier. I know that most of my teammates weren't as fortunate. But, yeah, I just made sure that I set myself up with being fortunate to have that funding come my way, set myself up and made smart financial decisions and invested in myself and setting myself up because I knew at some point swimming would end and I would have to start earning my way in the world and that was part of the adjustment after sport but yeah I was quite fortunate personally but I know most of my teammates some of them had to work part-time uh, for me um, I studied on the side um, but I didn't have to have a job so yeah I was quite lucky. Mm, but there were big decisions to make at a young age because what age were you when you started competing professionally? Uh, I made my first Olympic team uh, I was 17 but I was in, on the junior team from 13 years old yeah traveling the world. 
with the team. <laughs> yeah. It's so young that at the time I didn't, I didn't look at it like that. It was just, yeah, what I did and I thought how cool to, you know, go to Paris. I was in Paris on my 15th birthday and then got to go back to school and, you know, tell people about Paris and you're there without your parents, so it's the coolest thing ever. But, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of hard work, I'm sure. Yes, yes. You were there to – I mean, I've travelled the world, but I haven't really travelled. Um, like, I haven't gotten lost anywhere or not been able to afford a bus ticket or something. Like, you, you're looked after on the team. But, yeah, I have seen some cool parts of the world and I'm looking forward to, now that I'm not swimming, being able to travel and – yeah, really experience um, the cultures and stuff like that. Mm. So is there – hands up if anyone's got a question and I'll bring the microphone to you. Um, my name's Molly and I was just wondering, were there any role models that inspired you to actually get into this career path? Like uh, I know there were reasons but like any person who drove you, if that makes sense? Yeah, great question, Molly. Um, so for me personally, uh, there was no female footballers on TV or anyone that I knew of. So um, some of those, I guess, role models were, were men. But for me, my, probably the person that inspires me the most was actually my grandma. Because um, my grandma was actually a football coach, which I only found out um, a few years back. So she was a coach of, a, um, of her son's boys team. And uh, it's funny because that older age group is probably the ones that were generally kind of seen as not really accepting female footballers and that. So my gran was actually the one that was at every single game telling me that my socks needed to be pulled up and my jumper needed to be tucked in. So uh, grandma was definitely, um, you know, my inspiration. I didn't have um, no, one of, no one particular. I was very, me and my brothers, I got two brothers, we're, we're pretty similar, we're very self-driven. We grew up in Sydney, nice area of Sydney, but um, you know, as the only black family there, I don't know if, girl, I'm not a girl, so I, I can't speak on behalf of you guys, but you know, when, when you feel not, I didn't feel like I wasn't part of the community or something, but when you realise that you're different, you know, for me and my brothers, it was all about, oh, we've got to show that we're better. You just got to show that you're better. So we always worked hard, you know, we were always really driven. We did that amongst ourselves. That led me to a very good footballing career on the field and, and has led me to a very good off-field career as well because while I played, I studied. And it wasn't easy, but it's like, no, 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 got to be better, got to be better. Always, you, you, I don't know, I just had it in myself. Like, I always felt like I had to prove myself, you know, like... And I think a lot of uh, minorities have the same feeling, even today. I think women probably have, I don't know, you guys can know, know better than I, but um, you might have that same feeling if you're playing footy. You know, we're just as good as the boys. No, no, we can be even better, um, whatever, whatever that might be. It's negative on one hand, to that society is built that way, but it's positive, if, if you look at the positive side, uh, it's, it's a good fight, if you can use it in a positive way it's a good fire to have in 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 your belly to to really drive you on to bigger and better things uh for me swimming wise i looked up to libby lenton she was libby lenton at that point she swam the 100 freestyle so the events that i was doing but i think i was actually drawn to her personality not so much like her swimming i liked how she was always smiling and having fun every time i saw her on tv um, and then because I 
started uh, swimming at quite a high level from a young age, I was I didn't really look have to look up for a, to her for that long because I started racing her. So it was kind of awkward because she then became my competition. So quite soon, yeah, I didn't really look up to her swimming wise, but it was weird to be in the marshalling room with her and yeah, have to switch that um, mental aspect for her to be racing her um, and backing myself against um, some people that you used to idolise. Um, so I think it's good to have uh, role models and look up to people, but at the same time, um, you should never try to be someone else. I think you should always be yourself and find your strengths and really work work with that, what you've been blessed with and, um, yeah, just use that to your advantage. Um, my name's Holly and uh, were there any times you ever, like, doubted yourself? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Holly. Uh, definitely, definitely. I think um, as elite sports people you constantly you know question because you want to be better you're constantly going am I actually good enough for this and sometimes when I've been told for 16 years that you shouldn't be playing a game of sport that you love that you don't belong here that you should get back in the kitchen and <laughs> all those kind of comments you start to actually believe other people's opinions and, and beliefs and you start doubting like where you sit and sometimes, you know, it takes a lot of courage for us to step outside that and realise that other people's opinions and beliefs, um, sometimes they don't matter to us and we need to make sure that the people that we surround ourselves with are the ones that build us up, not put us down. So I've just been very, I guess, selective with the people that are in my world who believe in me and um, who get the best out of me. And they're the ones that have supported me through my journey and... Um, I've ended up now in one of the most amazing uh, journeys that I've ever could never imagine, uh, being an AFL W captain, winning two premierships with an amazing group of women. It's led me to some incredible things. So I think as much as we doubt ourselves, I keep saying that on the other side of doubt, you know, are some of the coolest experiences that you'll have in life. So you just have to be in that uncomfortable spot for a little while and, yeah, there's, there's more exciting things on the other side of that. Great question, Holly. Um... I think doubt is natural. I think if you don't doubt yourself in certain or some situations, then you're probably not doing anything of note. And I'm assuming everyone in here wants to do something of note. Um, but I think, uh, you know, Chelsea's right. On the other side of doubt, there, there can be great things. Um, personally, myself, uh, as an elite athlete, you know, you, you doubt yourself not all the time, but quite frequently, is that person better than me? I saw that person on TV. I'm in my first Socceroos camp, Harry Kuehl, Tim Cahill. It's like, geez, these guys are way better than me. <laughs> like, what am I even doing in here? You know, but you get out to train and then you have that doubt, right? But you don't let that doubt consume you. You know, you, you sort of embrace it and, and prove it to yourself, you know. No, they're not going to be better than me. I'm going to show them that, that I do deserve to be here. You know, so I speak to a lot of kids about mental health and that voice in your head. Like When you're playing sport, it's constantly in your head. It's constantly in your head any, anyway. But if that voice goes from doubt to really negative thoughts, you know, you're probably not in a good place. If, if, if you can manage the voice in, in, in your mind to go from doubt 
to positive thoughts or to using it as positive motivational energy, then you put yourself in a really good place. Then you, 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 know, then, then you start to take responsibility for, for things. Um, when, I, when I played in Korea and lived in Korea, completely different culture, completely different society. No one wanted to take penalties. I was fighting my whole career to be the penalty taker. <laughs> I got there, they were like, oh, yeah, you can take, you can take <laughs> it. Because you're expected to score a penalty, right? And there there's a real culture of shame, you know? And, and I'd ask them after the game, why don't you guys want to take penalties? They're like, oh, what if I miss? And it's such a strange way to think. Like, I cannot think like that. I'm not built that way. I don't think Aussies generally are. I'm like, what if you score? Why are you worried about missing? So they've let doubt... Um, in my team anyway, and, and, and it was, you know, Korean general, they've let doubt negatively impact, you know, their ability to take responsibility in, in, in difficult situations because they doubt themselves, they get tense, and they, pass, they pass the buck. Whereas if, if you can embrace it and you can control the voice in your head to use it as, as positive energy, mm. then I think you put yourself in a really good place and you'll realise really quickly how good you are. doesn't matter what it is. Math, science, English, sport, it doesn't matter because I'm telling you now, your principal's got the same doubts in her mind, you know, the, the people you look up to, those Hollywood actors or singers or scientists or whoever they are, politicians, whoever they are, they've got the same doubts, you know, but, but they plough through that wall and when they do make the right decision or when they back themselves in and, and they do well, then everyone cheers them as a hero. But don't think they're going in there, you know, bulletproof. Everyone's got doubts. you just got to use it in a positive way. Um, something I realised from a young age, and I'm so glad that I did, being quite an anxious person, on the inside, my, the voice in my head was quite strong at times and I had a lot of self-doubt. But I realised that n no one else can actually hear that voice. And so if you pretend that you've made it or, like, that you're good enough, that people will actually believe that. And so, yeah, like you might be hearing your own voice, but no one else can hear it. So if you acknowledge that it's there and acknowledge um, what you're feeling and what that voice is saying, but not giving it the power and, yeah, charging on anyway, um, you'll be quite surprised that a lot of people will just assume that you're confident and they can't see that, yeah, you've got that doubt um, that's there. So, yeah, that's probably my biggest tip. And to be honest, I'm not even swimming anymore, but it's, it never goes away. <laughs> like, sorry to yeah, give you the thing, but it's just part of life. And um, whether you're playing sport or not, it's, it's going to be part of your everyday life and um, whatever you go on to do next. And you guys, yeah, are still figuring out what you want to do, but it's going to be a big part of your life. And you're the only person getting in the way of what you want to achieve and you can do whatever you want. You just got to pretend that you're, you're confident even if you're not feeling like you are. Uh, I'm Tiki. Uh, what was like the best moment in your sporting career? Uh, thanks, Tiki. Um, best moment would probably be the, I guess, the 2017 first ever AFL women's season and it was our, when we won the first ever grand final. I guess it was awesome because... Half our team actually lived and trained in Darwin in Northern Territory and half actually lived and trained in South Australia. So we would kind of fly to um, Victoria to Melbourne and we'd play a game, say hello to everyone and then fly back to our states and territories. 
So um, in SA, we had to combine um, with the Northern Territory in order to be given a licence in order to actually play in the AFLW competition because SA was renowned previously for having some of the weakest female footy talent. So everyone thought we would be wooden spooners. Everyone thought we'd, we'd lose the entire competition and um, we were able to actually win the uh, premiership. So that was pretty special, I think, to be able to uh, do that. Most special time when I was a player was winning the grand final here at Adelaide Oval um, with Adelaide United. That, for me, and my first Socceroos game, the two key highlights. I think a lot of people assume that it's when I won the Olympic gold medal for the first time, but it was actually when I qualified for the Olympics. Um, so going into the Olympic trials as a 17-year-old on paper, I wasn't I don't think I was even ranked in the top 30 in Australia in the Honda Freestyle so because we have a lot of depth in that event. But, yeah, I made the final and at the Olympic trials in Adelaide here and, yeah, I swung myself onto the team so I had to get top four to make a relay spot. And I think at the 50-metre turn, so 100 metres is two laps, obviously, and at the 50-metre turn, I turned in seventh. So I was in seventh place halfway. And I just – I don't even remember that lap, but I just remember feeling like jelly and I like, couldn't even feel anything. Um, and I ended up touching in fourth because I just was chanting to myself weirdly, like <laughs> Olympics, 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 like over and over. And, yeah, when I touched the wall and I turned around and I saw number four, like it wasn't even number one, like I hadn't even won the race, but I was just so stoked that I was like, I was not meant to <laughs> qualify for the Olympics, but I did. And, yeah, I turned around, saw number four, and I just burst into tears because um, I think it was a combination of that self-doubt that I had um, before that race. Um, I had just ignored it and, yeah, proved to myself um, it wasn't even about anyone else at this point. It was about me proving to myself that I was capable of doing that and achieving that. And, yeah, I was now an Olympian. So, yeah. And then that was just the start of the journey. And it kind of got better after that. So, um, I'm Alexandra. And I was just wondering, we talked a lot about hard work before. And I was wondering, what are the core values that you would tell us who want to go on a similar journey were you in the video as yeah. well? Yeah, <laughs> I thought she was. That's what I said. <laughs> well done. Really well spoken to you. Um, yeah, I guess the, the core values, yeah, moving forward, I think, or just some tips in general is that I really liked what, Britt, what you said before around, you know, you're really the only person that's standing in the way of, of the, your greatest achievements and where you can go. My grandma used to always say to me, just make it happen. Stop talking about it and just make it happen, Chelsea. So I've always kind of lived by that and I honestly believe that life is just fun and full of adventure. And so anything that I do, whether I'm up on stage and I get to talk to you guys, I just tell myself it's going to be so much fun. Like, I'm going to have so much fun. Um, if I'm out on the footy field, I'm just going to have fun. Like this is, this is what life's about. I'm going to be challenged. I'm going to have adventures. I'm going to have some fun. And I'm going to surround myself with really good people um, that I want to share it with. My advice to all you girls and women would be just work hard and never lose your integrity. That's probably the key for me. Don't let anyone sway you from what you want to do. 
don't let anyone tease you if you're a brainiac at maths because you know what the brainiac at maths probably gonna end up with a really good job you know don't don't yeah <laughs> don't let anyone put you down put you in a place you don't want to be make you feel you know less than than what you are and that applies not just for people outside this room doing it to yourselves but for yourselves don't do it to anyone else you know it's about it's about keeping your integrity because it's all about relationships you'll you'll find like at school it's all about relationships i remember my school days um but but you'll see when you get out of school it's all about relationships and if you compromise your integrity especially in this city or it's a small world you know um it's going to come back to bite you never do something that you know you your, your parents won't be proud of and i'm not saying don't have fun I mean, I don't want you guys to be robots, but I think it's it's crucially important because if you got hard, if you if you're really hardworking, and you 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 have good integrity and and you don't compromise that ever, then I strongly believe that you're destined for for great things. Doesn't matter if you're black, white, girl, boy, doesn't matter, because on the balance of things, rational human beings really appreciate people with integrity that are hard working you know i think i think they're two assets that they're, they're, they're like foundations you know if, if if you can have those two foundations anything you build on top of that is fantastic if you don't have those two foundations doesn't matter what else you do <laughs> you could save the world you know people are always going to come back to to you know they were lazy and they they lack integrity you know they're not good people so hard work and integrity would be my advice uh, in terms of work ethic, um, I think the most important thing to remember during this day and age with social media is that you only see the highlights reel of someone's life and you've got to remember that there's stuff that goes on behind the scenes and the hard work that it takes to, you know, see that um, success or um, for me, it was when people only tune into swimming every four years. So they only see you when you're standing on the podium with the gold medal being presented to you. And they almost assume, like, oh, like, how good? Like, you know, they must have just woke up and that's what they did today. But it's like, no, it's years and years and years of swimming up and down the pool, following that black line. The 24, it, sport is a 24 7 job. Like, you can't really clock off because sleep is a part of recovery. Um, yeah, the way you eat is a part of your job. Like it's sort of, you're never off the clock with sport. Um, and yeah, I just think, remember that you only see people's highlight reels unless you're close to them. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at someone's social media and you think that they've got it all figured out. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes and um, you, you're entitled to whatever you want to work for um, and you'll get out of whatever opportunity what you put into it. So, yeah, and you can decide what you put into it um, and nothing worth having comes easy. Uh, people sometimes make it look easy and, yeah, that's always enjoyable to watch someone make it look easy, but, yeah, behind the scenes of that, um, there is generally a lot of effort um, and they're probably just good at what they do. <laughs> Fantastic. I think that wraps us up, does it? Yes. I know there might have been a few more questions, um, but 
you have to get back to class. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much again for joining us. And I'd also like us to all give a round of applause to our fabulous panellists. Thank you. I really enjoyed listening to that. <laughs> That was fabulous. So, yes, there is four more episodes. We'd love you to tune in. If you want to contact us or follow up or learn a bit more about what we're doing, or obviously you know Katie Glody, who's running the STEM footy program here, I think we should probably also give Katie a round of applause too. Um, it's a great program and we were really thrilled to be able to involve the program and yourselves in the documentary. So thank you very much for this opportunity and for the preview screening. Um, that's all. I don't know if, Lydia, you just wanted to finish up. Okay, thank you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. This is a Narrative Network podcast.